0: 2032 Olympics, it was announced, I think, two years ago maybe, in any case, as a a good lead-in to the the 32 Olympics and traditionally housing prices have increased um, in the lead-up to the Olympics. Maybe that's because of the time from getting the approval to the actual Olympics um, taking place. But they're they're only like for for 12 weeks or or less of... uh, of that period of time in that one location. Um, there's a question here to say, how will this affect Brisbane's property market before and after the Olympics?
1: Yeah, it's, it's not really about the Olympics. As you say, it's, uh, you know, it's a, it's an event that, that comes and goes, but, um, the biggest impact is going to be the infrastructure investment and the capital investment that goes ahead of the Olympics. So, Southeast Queensland it's not just Brisbane so southeast Queensland um, broadly will be seeing a lot of infrastructure investment roads, stadiums, um, athletes villages all that sort of stuff that's where the benefit is to uh, well the community but also for, for property investors that's probably where the opportunity is to, to target um, purchasing around those uh, those improvements to infrastructure. Um, be it you know, buying an apartment around Woolloongabba, where the main stadium's going to be or you know buying along the corridor between Brisbane and the Gold Coast or Brisbane and the Sunshine Coast. There's going to be some significant transport upgrades going in both areas. So, yeah, I think that's probably the, the, the biggest thing. The Olympics themselves, they'll put Brisbane or Southeast Queensland on the map. They'll improve the brand, the image, all that sort of stuff. That's great. But yeah, the the lasting, um, the, the immediate and lasting benefit is going to be all around that capital investment that tends to drive property prices and uh, and drive
0: employment opportunities as well. So we're basically saying that that the migration into southeast Queensland is is far superior than anywhere else in, in the country, that's what's driving the momentum and, and the infrastructure. Sure, there needs to be some some stadium upgrades and, and maybe some roads here and there, but essentially it's the population movement to that area that's, that's giving the momentum, not the Olympics.
1: Great, great, uh, great call. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a, it's a really um, a blended level of population growth. Look at somewhere like, say, Sydney or Melbourne, Completely being driven by net overseas migration, which tends to drive rental demand more so than purchasing mm-hmm. demand. Southeast Queensland is booming in interstate migration as mm-hmm. well as overseas migration, and uh, that you'll find that the interstate migration trend has a much more immediate flow through to purchasing demand. So Queensland, WA, to to a lesser extent South Australia are the only the only states where we're seeing a positive rate of interstate migration. SA is virtually neutral, so it's really a story about Queensland and Western Australia.
0: So let, let's park ourselves in in Adelaide for a while. You mentioned that the migration is neutral, so one leaves, one comes, and and that's basically the trend. If there's no population growth as such, how is the property prices continuing to increase?
1: Yeah, well, there is population growth um, from net overseas migration. So you've got three, three components of um, population growth. You've got a natural increase, so that's just mm-hmm. births minus deaths, interstate migration and overseas migration. So we're definitely seeing South Australia's population increasing. It's below average. It's below the national average from memory. Uh, hopefully I got the numbers right here. It's about 1.6% per annum growth. I think uh, the national average is about 22 or 2.3% population growth. So Adelaide is, you know, pretty attractive for a lot of interstate uh, buyers as well. It's relatively affordable. Interestingly enough, for if you're an Adelaide local buying into that housing market, you probably wouldn't describe Adelaide as affordable because incomes, household incomes, tend to be quite a bit lower in uh, in Adelaide compared to the larger cities. So in Adelaide, for example, just looking at say dwelling values versus incomes. Adelaide's now got the second highest dwelling value to income ratio of 7.7 times, which is quite high. You know, mm. it's uh, more expensive than Melbourne uh, when you adjust for incomes. But I think the other thing, when you just look at, say, if you're buying from interstates and you just look at, say, the median value of a, um, of a property in Adelaide, it's still relatively affordable. You've got a median house value uh, of 730000 compared to Sydney at nearly $1.4 million. So it's about half, roughly half of what Sydney is. So that's probably the key attractiveness. Um, you know, if you can be on Sydney money and base yourself in Adelaide, for example, it's a, it's a pretty good recipe for wealth. Probably the other thing about Adelaide, it's also got the tightest rental market in the country. You're looking at vacancy rates of about 03 to 0.5%. So maybe another opportunity there for investors uh, looking at um, you know, rental yields and so forth. They tend to be a little bit higher in markets like Adelaide and Perth where, where rental markets are so
0: tight. Natasha says, Melbourne, buy now or wait, question mark, feel like there is nothing on the market and what is, is being sold so fast. Feels like Melbourne's been doing that for 30 years.
1: Yeah, yeah. I generally, uh, you know, look at Melbourne as a a good opportunity. It's uh, one of the fastest rates of population growth from overseas migration. It's undersupplied. There's not a great deal of new development coming into that marketplace either, Um, It hasn't seen as much growth as Sydney um, through the, the latest upswing either, which means it's become a little bit more affordable as well. So, yeah, I think uh, depending on where you're buying, you know, Adelaide is, sorry, Melbourne is still seeing um, quite a bit of greenfield development around the outer fringes. So supply in those outer greenfield markets can be a little bit higher. Mm. Um, But if you look at, uh, we just put out some data this week for the AFR looking at areas where you can, where it's cheaper to buy than rent. Um, Adelaide CBD, for example, was one of the few capital city markets where, um, your mortgage repayments are lower than what your rental uh, payments would be. So that's, that's another way of looking at a high yielding market as well. Mm. So yeah, I think there's some good opportunities around Melbourne, but, um, you know, if, if you were to ask me, uh, you know, my, uh, my, probably my pick for, uh, for investment locations, I'd still be looking at Southeast Queensland, I think is my number one. And then maybe Perth is as, as an outsider, just, uh, um, considering perth 's economy is still a little little bit lacking in depth, it can be a little bit volatile once it gets uh, through say um, uh, infrastructure and mining phases
0: yeah, and I wanted to to turn to w a because it 's an interesting market and and like it's it 's pretty hot at the moment isn 't it not not out yeah. of the sky, but days on markets are extremely low. And, and it has been or it is an affordable price point for a capital city. Uh, but you mentioned there about the volatility of the, the market due to mining. And in the last sort of 20 years, we've definitely seen that um, flat phase and, and the high and then the low um, through 13, 14, I think it was so... What's happening there now and, and what do you think will happen in the next, say, three to five years? Have we got enough population growth? Have we got enough diverse economy for for Perth not to just uh, fall through the bottom?
1: Well, at the moment, the market's really strong. In fact, we're seeing listing numbers in Perth that are about 44% below the average uh, for this time of the year, and they're trending lower still, even though the, the trend in new listings is rising. So that tells me there's a pretty healthy rate of absorption mm. of stock in the marketplace, uh, population growth is strong, it's the strongest economy of any state uh, around the country at the moment. But as you say, you know it can be volatile. So I, I just probably issue a word of caution there that we haven't seen uh, WA's economy really broadening, maybe a little bit more focus on public infrastructure rather than private sector infrastructure over the past uh, 10 years or so. There's a lot of big transport uh, projects going on in WA rather than uh, the mining related. But um, the economy still you know, lives and breathes uh, iron ore, gas, um, gold. So I think the commodity cycles are going to be quite important for WA going forward. Uh, but at the moment, absolutely, it looks like a pretty good investment option. It's, uh, you know, for the fourth largest capital city, it's got the the lowest uh, buy-in price after Darwin. Mm. So it does look undervalued to me, and it's also the highest yielding market as well.
0: We've talked about maybe some some good markets to invest in. You mentioned Southeast Queensland, and, and when we say invest, like buying a owner occupier, is still an investment, right? We still have a, a, an idea of uh, creating wealth out of that as well. What, what markets would you say? Look, I'm probably not too confident on those in the next sort of three to five years because of supply or just lack of population or or government's not spending any money there? Are there any particular regions or or types of assets that uh, are no-goes for you?
1: Yeah, I'm a little bit cautious about Sydney, to be honest, just because it is so stretched affordability-wise. Even though we're seeing prices there have really led this recent recovery. They're up uh, nearly 9% since they bottomed out back in, in, in January of this year. Um, I just see affordability being a major blocker in that marketplace to getting more buyers back into the market. And Even, even this, this nearly 9% gain we've seen is on pretty thin volume. We're still seeing the number of home sales below average across that market. It's really just been a supply-side situation that's pushing prices higher. So Sydney, I'm a bit cautious of just because of the affordability environment, maybe that will uh, create some opportunities in that sort of medium to high-density space that we talked about. Um, Some of the regional markets that went through an absolute boom through the pandemic, um, they've generally held relatively low. So think about areas outside of Melbourne, for example, Ballarat um, would be a good example, or Geelong. We're definitely seeing prices stabilizing in those markets, but not as much evidence of any price growth. Again, I think that comes back to probably overshooting the market a little bit through the pandemic and uh, it's really eroded the affordability advantage a lot of these um, regional markets have. But on the other hand, look at somewhere like the Gold Coast, which is, is a very strong market. And again, that probably comes back to the interstate migration flow that's really supporting price growth in that area. Darwin's probably another area where it looks really good on paper. It's got, you know, the highest yield of, of any capital city. Um, uh, typical yield in, in Darwin's about 6.6% gross. Yeah, it's, it's, it's extraordinary. But again, it's like Perth but on steroids. It's uh, volatile. It's driven by uh, commodity cycles and infrastructure investment. Um, it can be quite uh, quite hairy. But, uh, yeah, it's cheap. It's really high yielding but uh, tends to be really, really risky.
0: Mm, interesting. Well, for, for the Sydney people that are reaching out all the time saying, I can't afford to buy in Sydney, that's maybe music to their ears. So what you've said today, Tim, is the fact that Sydney might not be growing at the, at the rate that it has been in the past, which gives every first home buyer a, a bit of a fighting chance, right? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, I think more and more people who are residing in Sydney be
1: stuck in the rental market but they might be considering you know the, the whole rent investment uh, strategy i think makes a lot of sense for for sydney siders investing outside of that market um continuing to rent but just making sure you do have an investment strategy in place uh, um, but other cities seem to offer a better value for money to me and probably better uh, investment returns as well
0: yeah great